You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So you just got paid, you have some money in your pocket, and now you're ready to send it abroad. But then, when you try to do that, you get hit with a bunch of hidden fees. Well, next time, try TransferWise. With TransferWise, you always get the real rate when you send to over 70 countries. You pay one super low fee and keep more of your money. Join over 6 million customers and try it for free at transferwise.com reset. Hey, it's Arielle. Quick heads up. This episode mentions suicide as well as gun violence. Here's the show. Almost two years ago, on Valentine's Day 2018, Americans added yet another school shooting to a list that keeps on growing. A high school in Parkland in the state of Florida. 17 people are dead after today's horrific shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School. In a little over six minutes, 17 of our friends were taken from us, and everyone, absolutely everyone, in the Douglas community was forever altered. It felt like my community had been broken and shattered. This is Kai Korber. I was a student at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Kai survived the Parkland shooting, and then he lived through some of its after-effects. I had two friends try to kill themselves. I had um, people breaking down crying in my class every time they heard a fire alarm. You know, with with the drop of of a book from a table to the floor, you know, the entire class would jump. It's definitely an experience that I don't think anyone should ever have to go through. Every time a school shooting takes place in the United States, parents, students, school administrators, they all ask, how can we make sure that no one else has to go through this? Since Parkland, Kai has been fighting for better access to mental health services in schools. Other Parkland survivors have focused on gun law reform. And the Parkland School District has also looked for ways to keep students safe. At least one of the answers that they've landed on is the use of new surveillance technologies. And these technologies are being put in place not just in Parkland, but in school districts across the country. But are these systems actually making students safer? And how much of our children's privacy should we trade for a sense of security? This is Reset. I'm Ariel Demros. We're going to come back to Kai Korber in a bit. But first, Rebecca Highwell is going to give us some context. She's a reporter for Recode and Open Source, the Vox project about the hidden consequences of technology. Rebecca, you recently did a deep dive on surveillance in schools and the ethical questions it raises. So since we'll be talking about a wide range of tools in this episode, can you start us off with an overview? Sure. It's important to note that this can be look like a lot of different things, but I think the primary tools that I've looked at are video-based. School officials already have access to a lot of footage that's collected by the video cameras. 
they already have or are getting. So they can use facial recognition. Another tool that they have is called weapons detection, which would just alert staff that there's a gun in a feed. It's essentially a computer program that the school safety officer might have access to or school administrator might have access to. Um, And there are also non-video based tools that mine through student communications and give school administrators updates about what those students are saying. So let's dig into one example in particular. You wrote a story that focused on the school district that the high school Marjorie Stoneman Douglas is located in. That's where the Parkland shooting happened. And you talked about the tool that that district is now using. So what exactly is that tool? They're using a service provided by a Canadian technology company called Avigilon. And, you know, largely Avigilon is selling a platform for monitoring the videos that you're video cameras are collecting, but it has new artificial intelligence-based features that tell you things that a normal camera doesn't tell you. So for instance, it has something called appearance search. There's actually a video that a school district in Georgia made for Avigilon, sort of discussing the benefits of the Avigilon system. All right, so this is actually an Avigilon ad, basically. Right. Okay, so I'm seeing beauty shots of the school... We're a large school system, and we have a lot of area to cover. Safety and That's an extensive security system. It's literally a room full of screen after screen after screen showing security camera footage and people walking around the building with these red boxes around them. What's going on here? What this tool does is it basically takes attributes of people's bodies, their clothing, and their face, and it develops like a little profile of them. So if we come in and we found out there was someone that got into a storage shed, we would have... You know, if you're a school administrator and you say, hey, I think that person's suspicious. Where else have they been throughout the day? It'll use that information that it's collected and try to find all the other instances in which you or someone who looks like you has appeared. They're like actually pinpointing individuals in the video footage and going like, this person, let's track this person. So if we knew that we had a student with a black backpack on and a red shirt that entered the school, but we weren't sure exactly where they went, on previous camera systems, we would have had to go through and look through hours of footage and comb through a number of different cameras to find that person and try to track their progress around the building. While this isn't facial recognition in the sense that it's not saying this is X person, it is using information like a person's gender or their clothing to tell you where else they might have been. Any school that is interested in enhancing safety and security, as we all are, I would recommend it because of the amount of time that it saves. It's very easy to use, user-friendly interface. I would definitely highly recommend it to any principal looking to keep their school safe. All right, so that's the pitch. Does it work? So I'm not even sure how you would go about answering a question like that. And I think that's the big problem with these technologies is You can't test whether something is going to stop a school shooting. Schools expect a guarantee, potentially, but there's really no way to test a question like this. So I actually talked to a researcher who did this really large survey of surveillance technologies used in schools, and she focused on North Carolina. Her name is Barbara Fetters, and she said something pretty similar. My research focus on North Carolina makes clear that we cannot say with any certainty that the various surveillance products that we have been talking about are effective at making students more safe. Those products, they're not like publishing any comprehensive data. There's nobody regulating them to whom they need to give reports on what they collect, what it shows, how many false positives there were. 
I mean, there are there are different kind of advocate types who are interested and who are looking on their own. But in terms of federal or state bodies that are insisting that private companies that have contracts with schools publish on exactly whether or not they're successful, that does not exist. Yeah, so I think it's worth keeping in mind that all these systems can be circumvented if someone has a basic understanding of how they work. So how much are schools paying for these tools that may or may not actually prevent a shooting? There's a whole range of costs. Some school districts will end up spending tens of thousands of dollars on these systems. Others could spend way more. I will say that a lot of schools will rely on bond programs that have been created by the state to fund school security efforts. And for a company like Avigilon, that can mean a lot of money for them and a lot of good contracts. After the break, these surveillance systems also have a different kind of cost. We take a closer look at what they mean for student privacy. Hey, it's Ariel Zimros. The much-anticipated series Little America is out in full now on Apple TV+. Inspired by the extraordinary true stories first reported in Epic magazine, Little America tells eight unique stories of how people got to the U.S. from around the world. From Syria to Uganda to Mexico to Nigeria, the series brings to life the funny, romantic, heartfelt, inspiring, and surprising stories of immigrants in America. In an episode entitled The Manager, 11-year-old Kabir learns to run a motel in Utah on his own when his parents are deported back to India. And then Beatrice, the only one of her 22 siblings to be sent from Uganda to college in the U.S., goes on a journey towards the American dream by selling her chocolate chip cookies. And then there's an episode called The Rock that tells the story of Faraz, who will stop at nothing to build a home for his Iranian family including attempting to remove a massive rock from an otherwise perfect piece of real estate in Yonkers. Produced by Lee Eisenberg from The Office and Good Boys, Kumail Nanjiani from The Big Sick and Silicon Valley, and Emily V. Gordon, also from The Big Sick, it's a must-see. Little America is live now. Open the Apple TV app on your iPhone or your connected TV to watch all the episodes. Or go straight to tv.apple.com. That's tv.apple.com. Apple TV Plus subscription required. Before the break, you heard a clip from Barbara Fetters, the researcher who did that survey of surveillance technologies that are used in schools in North Carolina. But understanding how this tech is being used is also a personal issue for her. So... At the start of the last school year, all the parents in my children's public school district got an email that said that the school was rolling out this anonymous tip line through which students just with the touch of a button could make a tip about anything that they knew about that was troubling. And I wrote to the chair of the school board and said, maybe I missed it, but I didn't see any discussion of this. And I have a lot of concerns. For example, What's going to happen with the information that's collected? Who's going to make a decision about what needs to be followed up on? And the answer was, we don't have to tell anyone because this is safety. 
So Barbara heard about this, and she sent emails filled with questions to the school's administrators. And what she found is that her kid's school was actually doing a lot more surveillance in the name of safety than just this one tip line. They installed tools that could sweep through student emails or go through their browser history looking for worrisome words or images. And Barbara was concerned about this because, again, in her work life, she'd been researching these tools and had seen all kinds of privacy issues pop up through conversations she had with students. She wanted to illustrate those issues. So she used her conversations as inspiration for the creation of a fictional composite character named Manuel. So in my hypothetical scenario, this young man, Manuel, takes pictures of himself making gestures and puts them on social media. And the district that he goes to school in has one of these social media scanning products. And so they decide that these are gang signs. Um, They then tell the school, which tells the school resource officer to keep a really close eye on him, which the school resource officer does and starts following him um, from class to class, etc. In the hypothetical case of Manuel that Barbara lays out in this paper, she keeps on layering different kinds of things that could happen. Like, Manuel uses his school-issued computer to send an email to a friend. And in that email, he says that he's anxious because this school resource officer has been following him and that he's feeling depressed. And that message then gets picked up again by the school's email scrubbing tool. And so looking at that, they then decide that he needs a so-called wellness check. And so then a police officer alerts his parents. And so what I was trying to do with the scenario was just kind of illustrate how a kid's own privacy vis-a-vis school people, his friends, and his parents is is compromised by these products. And, you know, obviously, if it turns out that he's in the middle of committing an act of great violence against anyone else or himself, we might see this as having done what it was supposed to do and have been worth it. But But the more Barbara looked into this, the more she felt that this constant surveillance could have an effect on kids— that it could compromise their development. And so she started to talk about children having something called a developmental right to privacy. If you know you're being watched all the time, not only can you not feel free to experiment with ideas, with new friends, with new um, even behaviors, but if you're always getting this message of we're watching you all the time, then you, you never feel trusted and, and you don't learn what you need to know to decide whether something is worth doing and whether it's too risky or not. What comes up for me as I'm listening to you is, is stories of my own childhood, stories of growing up as a gay teenager before coming out to my parents. And if my parents had been and my school had been scrutinizing everything I was typing into a search bar back when I was 14 or 15... It would have been terrible. Me too. I had similar childhood experiences, though not involving the internet at all. But I would say that the ability to be anonymous in certain circumstances is actually really important. So, Rebecca Highwell, given all of your reporting, what do you make of what Barbara Fetters just told us? Yeah, I guess I have two primary responses. I think, you know, privacy advocates, and specifically the New York branch of the 
American Civil Liberties Union, they've said, you know, we already have a problem with the school-to-prison pipeline. Students of color disproportionately might feel like they're being surveilled or policed at school. And it's not clear that these tools are going to make that any better and could potentially make them a lot worse, Um, especially when you're talking about something like facial recognition, which is already reported to be less accurate on people of color and also like younger people as well. And I think my second response is that it's incredibly hard to understand how these systems might work. You might see a press release or an email to parents explaining, hey, we're installing this new system and it's going to help catch activities that are suspicious or uh, clamp down on you know nefarious actors. But it's incredibly difficult to actually visualize what that might mean for a student. You know, it raises the question of mission creep. We signed up for a tool that's going to keep kids safe and now schools are using it to investigate HR complaints. Or one of the examples that Avigilon gives in one of the promotional packets about one of the schools that used one of these tools is that they were able to find a girl who was going to the bathroom like every day during lunch and that an administrator was able to intervene. Uh, okay, I would love to know more about that. Do they explain it? Um, yeah. So let me just pull up this advertising pamphlet so I can explain it correctly. But, you know, this describes a principal noticing a particular student had a habit of taking her lunch to the bathroom on a daily basis. And Vigilon's appearance search enabled the principal to confirm the student's whereabouts during lunch by showing when she entered and exited the bathroom, which prompted the principal to address the strange behavior with the student. Um, And then it describes the principal was able to intervene and resolve the bullying. And I think, you know, on the one hand, we would look at something like this and consider, wow, what a positive. We were able to stop bullying. But on the other hand, I think back to when I was in middle school or high school and think this was something, not that I went to the bathroom all the time, but this is, you know, this is, I'm doing something privately and I clearly don't want to talk to other people about it. And if this student had not felt comfortable raising it with the principal, that's suddenly a choice she no longer had. So we started the show with Kai Korber, a Parkland shooting survivor. I'd argue that when he was in high school, he was exactly the kind of student that the companies behind these systems say they want to protect. But when I asked him about how it felt to hear that these tools are now being used in his former school district, he didn't seem super psyched about them. I mean, I I definitely thought that it was a tremendous invasion of privacy, and I, I don't believe that any high school student necessarily, when they sign up to go to high school or register for school in general, you know, signs up to be watched in a tremendously Orwellian nature of, you know, you guys are all being watched 24-7, at least 100% of the time while you're at school, categorized and scanned and analyzed through, you know, artificial intelligence networks. It's, it's not something that I think students should be going through at present. Yeah, so I think what he says really raises a lot of the same concerns that a lot of privacy advocates have also raised. You know, it's worth noting that, you know, I talked to another student who didn't necessarily agree and thought that the Vigilon uh, tool might be helpful. But I think we have to remember this is all comparative. Like, what are we choosing with this that we're not choosing with another tool or another solution? It's amazing to me the technologies that people will come up with in order to avoid the thing that we know will work, which is regulate guns. Yeah. I mean, 
And even beyond that, like, what about funding better mental health? Or what about teachers, like, being more involved with their students? There Having was, actual conversations with the kids that are in the school. Right. It brings me back to the example of the girl who was being bullied. Why is the question, like, how do we figure out who this girl is and why she's going to the bathroom all the time? And why isn't the question, why didn't she feel comfortable going to the principal on her own? Rebecca Highwell is a reporter for Recode and Open Sourced, a new project focused on explaining the hidden consequences of tech. Some of the subjects we covered in this episode were pretty heavy. So if you or anyone you know is anxious, depressed, upset, needs to talk, or is considering suicide or self-harm, there are people who want to help. Here's the crisis text line. Just text START, S-T-A-R-T, to 741741 from anywhere in the U.S. at any time about any type of crisis. This is Reset, and I'm Ariel Duemros, but you don't have to say it that way. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us. Bert Pinkerton, Will Reed, and Skylar Swenson produce the show. Our engineer is Eric Gomez. Our intern is Daniel Marcus. Golda Arthur is our executive producer. Liz Kelly Nelson is the editorial director of Vox Podcasts. The mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder composed our theme music, and Reset is produced in association with Stitcher, and we're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back on Tuesday. Later, nerds. <laughs>